I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Ben Kay. Hi, Ben. And this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. This week, I'm joined by Austin Healy, which is just simply wonderful news. And we're going to give a status report on the Aviva Premiership so far. After almost a third of the season, who is impressed and who hasn't? We'll also be looking ahead to the return of the Anglo-Welsh Cup. First, let's have a chat about this week's biggest stories. And there have been a few. Austin. Let's have a chat about it. Let's have a chat. Are you reading that? We first should point bit, out where we that... are. No, we should. <laughs> we should point out where we are, though. We're uh, Ob Wigs uh, Rugby yeah, Club, where the magic in, in Leicestershire, and we have probably spent more time at this rugby club than any other rugby club in the world. Yeah, I'd say that's probably true. Well, every single day for ten years, yeah. Saturdays when we were at Welford Road. This is the training ground for anyone who doesn't know for Leicester Tigers. As you can see, if you are watching this, or you just, li- well, if you're just listening. It's if you're really... watching this podcast. Well, sometimes you can watch it, can't you? That'd be a podcast. Actually, when I listen to podcasts, <laughs> I've got a very vivid imagination, so I can see... Yeah, but they're different sorts of podcasts, and we can't yeah, get into true. that. Obviously. There's a sheepskin coat over Right, there, let's get on listen. with the massive news that, that we've had all this week. So, uh, should we start with the England squad? They're over in Portugal. I've just flown in from Portugal, having watched them yesterday, yes. Um, very interesting to see Eddie Jones at work and his and his coaches. It's an impressive setup. Which courses did you play there? <laughs> uh, the North Course. Uh, did you at Villa Yeah. Did you uh, carry on? No, I did watch. I did watch the training. It, it was twenty minutes. Very very impressive. Um, but there have been a few little injuries, and uh, obviously Elliot Daly is out. He's the main one, isn't he? Rocco Dunguni is in. Um, we've heard that Johnny May might have had a, a slight hamstring uh, pull. Which, yeah, he's out. He's well, out of the first game. I actually game. did see that happen, so I don't know what I'm saying. We hit. Yeah, was today. He was out. Of the, he's out of the first game, definitely. Yeah. So the wings having have been depleted. England have what appeared to be a lot of strength in depth. There's, there's a few. Do you think they're going to have to bring someone else in? I think they probably will. Yeah. If you look at Rocket Aguni and Denis Solomona on the right wing. A left wing, who are they going to play on the left? Um, it's a tough one. I, I think they're going to have to bring in either Marlon Yard, uh, who's been doing a lot of travelling recently. I'm sure we'll get round to him later. Um, or I wouldn't be adverse to bringing in Christian Wade. Be interesting, wouldn't it? Because who else? Although, who else, well, who else although, would you bring? Yeah. Collins? He's playing pretty well, but yeah. he's got a lot of strapping Young. on his knee at the minute. Um, I don't know. It's a tough one. Ask me later. 
Okay, I will do. Uh, more my area of expertise is uh, Matt Mullen out injured. Uh, Joe Marlis banned, obviously. So looking at Lucid, you've obviously got Mako Vunapola in there, but Ellis Genji is having a, a fantastic season. Do you think we'll see him on the bench? I, I presume Definitely we'll, on the we'll, bench. we'll see. I think he'd have been on the bench anyway. Ellis yeah, Genji. I do. And, and I think, but with how the fixtures have fallen and the fact that you've got Argentina first, then Australia and then Samoa, I think we might see him as an impact player for the first two tests and then potentially he could start. Because then he's going to want to see some players starting He's two years out from the World Cup. He said it's now, having settled into the role, it's now all the focus is on the World Cup. So he yeah. wants a few people, to, he wants to know people can start games. Well, I'm actually doing my newspaper column this week on Eddie Jones and about the style of coach that he is. I mean, he's a, a guy that likes to break the status quo and he's done that repeatedly since he's come in. But now, like you say, it's almost a time for a little bit of stability leading into that World Cup. And this is probably the last chance that he can tinker with the squad. And if you want to read that, column you can buy viz magazine uh, uh, all good news agents still yeah um you do look a little bit like roger melly though don't you? <laughs> <laughs> not all of me right uh moving on um so there we go that's the that's the england squad uh, a few little injuries for for eddie jones to contend with but uh on the whole he's got a lot of strength and depth you mentioned marlon yard ugo broke the story on Friday night. Uh, then Steve Diamond but, said, that's not true. <laughs> Steve Diamond genuinely looked like he was about to murder Tim Cocker when he pressed him on it. But uh, despite Steve Diamond saying, we have not spoken to him, he hasn't signed for us, funnily enough, in the last couple of days, he has. And uh, he's going to go up there. Good move for Marland? I don't know, actually. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because I think, first and foremost, I think John Kingston's right in, in doing what he's done. If someone is being disruptive, I remember I had a bit of a disruptive season, one of my early seasons here with Leicester. And Dean Richards basically just said, look, I don't care how good you are. And he was right. I was really, really good. Um, but if you carry on behaving like that, you'll be playing for someone else. And that sounds and like... And the biggest mistake he ever made <laughs> was not following it through. through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, it seems like something like that's happened with Marlon Yard. We've heard he's missed a few training sessions. We don't know what else has gone on. Um, he obviously wasn't happy there, which is strange because the brand of rugby that they play really suits him. Going up to Sale, he's going to be competing with guys, Denny Solomona, who's arguably a better finisher than him. Um, you've got McGuigan on the other wing on the left side, who's playing really good rugby. And you can't possibly drop McGuigan out of that team at the minute because he's one of their best backs, really physical. So would Marlon Yard go up there and play outside centre? I think if he goes and plays at 13 then maybe it might be pretty good for his That's career. Interesting. No one's really mentioned that. Josh Charnley uh, as Charnley well. Charnley as yeah. well, he so can't get in the team. Yeah, Big kick for him, really, isn't it? The fact that they want to sign another winger. I don't know why Steve's done it. He's got a bit of precedent for trying to sign people that are perceived to be, yeah. you know, have a tag of being a bad boy or, or, or not a team player and trying to mould them in. Do you think there's something in that? I think we're finding out that Steve Diamond actually just wants to be a counsellor. And uh, he's doing a pretty good job. No, he has in the past. He does believe that he can turn players around. And I think he believes that he gets good players for better value in, in fiscal terms. Uh, but the rumours about his payments of £250,000 I saw in the newspaper today a year for, for a contract is sounds like a lot of money. And, uh, I, you know, I think Steve Diamond maybe could have spent that better elsewhere. Well, the, that sort of leads us on to the other point is a few people are saying uh, that, doesn't appear now that contracts are worth the paper they're written on. I, I disagree with that slightly, 
but is it a dangerous precedent, all these mid-season moves? I don't think we should class this as a standard mid-season move. It's not like Montpellier coming in and buying somebody out of their contract, and even though that was at the end of the season. It's, uh, it's by mutual agreement between three parties, so it's not a... It's not essentially a deal. It's more a uh, an arrangement to clear out a, an issue that and, what a player uh, has with one yeah. club. And the other thing is, actually, if you don't want to have that player in your team, because of the salary cap, you can't afford to carry people in the season. So if there is an opportunity to move them onto a club that wants them, it's yeah. better for the player. And actually, that frees up a bit of money. And you look the the, the key example of that is Johnny May and Ed Slater. Yeah. You know, Ed Slater is star performer for Gloucester. The Gloucester fans seem absolutely delighted with him and obviously the Leicester fans are delighted with how Johnny May sells. Yeah, I think what we're seeing is that, that rugby hasn't quite got the wealth that it thinks it has. There's one or two clubs that have got the wealth and can afford to do this, particularly in France. But clubs are obsessed with their OPEX, not their CAPEX, so they're, they're, re, they're trying to reduce... And I'm getting a bit boring here, but it's it's true. It's Welcome all it's all about to the finance, financial <laughs> Welcome times to Bloomberg. podcast. Welcome to Bloomberg. No, but it's they're so finely balanced the wage caps that they have to do these sorts of deals to get different types of players in mid-season. So when the opportunity arises, then most clubs will try and take it. But I'm surprised actually that Sale took a winger. Had yeah. this have been Marcus Smith, I'd have been snatching their hand off. Well, he's, Steve Diamond said the next stage now, having got Marlon Yard, we wanted a quality winger. We yeah. want a prop, a, a centre. Whereas um, if Gloucester had come in yeah. and Gloucester yeah. had come in and gone for the winger, I could, I could have said, well, actually, I really understand, no disrespect to the Gloucester wingers, but uh, I could see him really doing quite well down at Gloucester. And much the same if, actually, if, if he said we go down and, and play for even, maybe even Exeter. Jack Nell can't get fit for this season. He's, he can't get a run of games. So, you know, I know they've got good wingers down there, but Marlon Yard might well fit down there too. We mentioned about Sale and, and what Marlon Yard will bring to them. Will Harlequins miss having a body? Do you, think, do you expect they'll try and replace him with a with a like-for-like winger or, or are they happy with, you know, they've got the likes of Charlie Walker, Tim Vissers starting to find a bit of form again. Do you think they'll just stick with what they've got at the moment? I don't think they've got much choice. I, I'm surprised they didn't try and do a swap deal and try and bring one of the experienced sail wingers down. So, you know, like you said, Josh Charnley, there's not going to play much rugby if there's those three wings in front of him. And he looked like a pretty good player. And if you can sort out your defence, and Quinns have got some good backs coaches down there, very experienced guys, I'm surprised they didn't swap. So they look, the loose. They they look a bit, look. little bit light on the wing now. The, the one area they could look, and it doesn't have to be a winger, but obviously now... The rugby championship has come to an end. Super rugby's come to an end. We see, we've seen uh, Nathan Charles has come over to Wasps on a on a three month deal. There's a couple of other players that are coming over on three month deals from the Southern Hemisphere. I suppose they freed up a bit of money in the cap now that they could look to the to the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, apparently Surveyor's coming over. Uh, until you read what he said, I don't know if you read his tweet. No. Oh, did you not see no, it? No. So the, there was sort of rumor going around at the start of the week that Surveyor was thinking of coming to Quinns. Uh, and Surveyor, in no uncertain terms, said, oh, no, I'm not. He didn't use those words. In fact, he used many more expletives. But it was uh, it was quite a good way to, to put a rumour to bed. So you mentioned about John Kingston doing the right thing and, and making a stance in front of everyone. Is, is that almost more important that if you have players that you feel are detrimental to your team, that, that you, you get them out, despite the fact that you might not have a ready-made replacement to, to come in? I think it is, yeah, because we've seen rugby players change over the last 10 years. And if coaches and directors of rugby and owners 
boards don't make a stand, no matter how big the star is, then you will see a, a gradual decline into the mentality of those players. You know, it's, al- it's already gone a little bit of the way that, you know, the simple fact that Marlon Yard has behaved in the way that he has to cause this is an issue. And it is a sign that players are, are losing respect for themselves and for the game a little bit. So doing what he's done is absolutely right. He, he certainly hasn't set Harlequins on fire, but he hasn't, he hasn't been bad by any means. But do you think if he was one of those players that had set the Premiership on fire, you know, if, if he was on a run of scoring form like Johnny May is, for example, here at Leicester or, you know, a, um, a fly half. And it's difficult. I say a fly half like Owen Farrell, how important he is to Saracens, but Owen Farrell isn't the sort of person that would you know, would ever annoy his teammates. I've, I've seen him have uh, two sugars in a coffee. <laughs> but uh, do you think that would be different? No, I don't think it would. I think it depends on who the boss of the club is, what the club's ethos is, um, and the mentality of the squad is the squad accepting of something like that. If it's not normally in the olden days, players sorted that stuff stuff out themselves. It wasn't left to the manager. They saw it. We had a player here. We won't say his name for for legal Healy, reasons. Healy. Healy. Um, we had a player here who who was a huge talent, massive talent, but mentally wasn't really on the same wavelength as everyone else in terms of commitment. Well, that that's not necessarily a bad reflection on him being here because mentally on the same way. <laughs> yeah, like, every, yeah, every other Leicester player is not necessarily somewhere you'd want to be. He, he but was, that's, that's quite in, important. No one on certain terms, he was told to book his ideas up or he, he got filled in in training. But but that's weeks. that's actually quite an important point because a player that fits the environment at one club might not necessarily fit in an environment at the other. And, and you know, not but just a player not just can in, also make the environment. Attitude. You yeah, mentioned yeah. Ed Slater earlier. Yeah, you know, for a number of years, Bath and some other clubs were trying to buy in that Leicester ethos that was that was had in the you know early two thousands. And well, Lewis Moody went to Bath. Didn't yeah, he? Lewis and... Moody, and you know he didn't play enough to really impart the sort. But he's not the sort of that sort of player. I don't think he would vocal vocalize what it means. Whereas Ed Slater, I think, is exactly the sort of player that you mentioned who's actually been really good at Leicester and has taken those values that he gave to the club to another club and they've started to feed off him as well. You saw that in the pack performance in the second half against Bath. And uh, like you said, vice versa, you can get a bad egg um, that spoils the salad. And, and as well, it's, it's not just down to attitudes and stuff. Not bad egg. Yeah, you've had a few bad... Well, we've had a few bad There's salads. a thing called a thousand-year egg you can buy in Thailand. I saw one the other week. I don't want to hear about this. You and your Thai eggs, leave it out of it. Um, but it's not just it's not just attitude is it there's quite quite often we see teams buy in a superstar and 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 they don't perform in the same way for that team because they're it hasn't hasn't worked for you which superstar that a side's bought in hasn't worked i know who i think at sale at the minute he hasn't worked yeah o'connor at sale he just looks like Nowhere near the player well, that he should the, be with the, the talent thing that he's about, got. The thing about O'Connor is when he was, last time he was here and he, he for London Irish was really good, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. But he was playing in a very different position where you have a lot more time to showcase his talents. And if you look at the most of the premiership tens that set the, set the premiership are alight, it is their distribution game. Whereas when we saw O'Connor being brilliant in the Premiership, it was his running game and and what he could do taking who, who players. Who else on. would you go for? Who else would you say has been a massive name that has disappointed? Um, Francois Pino. Corey, now you're going back a bit. Yeah. Right. Okay. I didn't know. We, I thought thought you meant currently. Well, I, I just um, said you can use your memory. 
So we can go back as, as long as you like. But as you've been in Portugal playing golf, it might be difficult. I'd probably go for Victor Matfield's Austin. Um, great player, probably the person. I told you in to my say team, that. You my team, the person I probably, sorry, my team, my position, the person I probably respected most. Uh, got on really well with him after the matches, but he always made me look a bit silly during the matches. But yes, he was at the, the very end of his career. But I think Northampton wasn't quite what he was expecting it to be when he arrived. And I think as a result, he wasn't quite what Northampton was expecting to be. And it was just that clash, you know, put him in the blue balls at, at that stage of his career. And he still would have done a job uh, because he he suited them. But I just, I think particularly, you know, he's a guy that, that probably well, did have aspirations of coaching, didn't he? He came back from a, from a coaching career. So probably wanted to arrive and almost be that player coach role. And, and Dorian West, Maybe didn't want him to do that. Maybe just wanted him to actually be the player rather than the guy leading the line out. So, yeah, I would go for Victor Matfield, Austin. Okay, good choice. Thank you. Right, let's move it on. The other news that's that's come up uh, today, really, was it today that they announced? It's it? been this week. I know you've been playing golf again, yeah. but it's it's <laughs> but been it's been the, the news most of the week. We've all been waiting with uh, on, on tenterhooks to see who was going to be the 2023 World Cup. It's not a done deal yet, but the Rugby World Cup board has unanimous, unanimously, unanimously recommended South Africa. Um, now, obviously, Ireland had high hopes. French, the French were the other uh, party in. The, how the process worked was they went through um, a set of scoring procedures, and actually, South Africa came out top. Ireland came out bottom. Uh, there were different weightings depending on on how important World Rugby thought uh, those little areas were going to contribute to the World Cup. So part of it was infrastructure and basic things like the number of hotel rooms, which was always going to be a problem for Ireland against South Africa and France. Uh, stadia was another big one that were probably going to count heavily against Ireland. Think that's fair? Do you think? Um, do you think we should be trying to move into places that have never had World Cups before? What's, what's your take? Yeah, I do think we should be going to countries mainly if they've got the infrastructure. Obviously, you, you couldn't go and play this in uh, Myanmar or uh, Laos or any of those areas that haven't got the infrastructure or the hotel rooms. But they probably have got the hotel rooms. I am a bit upset that Ireland didn't get it. I think they would have done a fantastic job. I know they haven't not got it yet, but it looks like that way. I sort of think it's a bit of a hemisphere. Yeah. Thing as well, the fact that the last two have been in the Northern Hemisphere and um, it's an opportunity for one of the big power brokers of rugby, the big four, if you like, to have another go at it. Um, I just wish that they'd take it somewhere new. I'd like Argentina to get a chance of it. Yeah. Right. I'd like to see the USA have a chance of it. USA, I think that will happen. USA will tick the boxes for yeah. every single Yeah, I think that will happen. It. I think one of the things that um, certainly um, was rumoured around after England had hosted it and it had been such a big financial success was that they were then going to go to a new market, which was a little bit of a risk, but they had then have to come back to a, a, almost a guaranteed commercial success and one of the, the, the major markets. Interestingly, if Ireland don't get it, and there's no reason why if they don't get it this time, they can't go for it again and, and potentially could be one of those new markets. Yeah, I think they're more likely markets. the next time, like I said. But for the reasons that, Ireland didn't get it this time. It's very similar to the reasons that New Zealand, people were saying New Zealand maybe shouldn't have got it in, in 2011. And actually the vote went against New Zealand and it was, actually, it, it was actually exactly the same circumstance that Ireland found themselves in now and New Zealand still got it. But people said 
is this just a last chance for New Zealand to have it? Because they haven't got enough hotel rooms. The stadiums aren't big enough. So it might be that we've, we'll never see another Rugby World Cup in New Zealand again. Well, I mean, I suppose the good news is if South Africa get it, that they'll get knocked out in the group stages. So, you know, that, you're going to take one plus point if you are Irish. I'd like to see Canada get it, maybe. South Africa's quite a good place to go, though, isn't it? There's, there's a lot to do there. Yeah, so it is. There's but... a lot of good places travel but around. But so, so is Ireland. Yeah. No, and I can't, I, I I, for the life of me, when you said about the hotels, I can't think that South Africa's got that many more hotels than Ireland's got. Or, well, let, and it's not that I'll hard to stay. It's not that hard to stay in Liverpool or in Manchester and get a little plane or a ferry across. The ferry is great fun, by the way. Um, not that hard to stay over there. You know, you're only talking a 20, 30 minute flight and cheapest chips as well. You've got seagulls. I, 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 I don't know. I, I would have loved to see an island get it. I think it's a mistake I, of course, going back yeah, to Of course we would have. I don't know if it's a mistake, I think. Do you think there's a political element? Do you think the yes. South African rugby's, we're seeing the crowds just diminish? Um, it, it, it's been a... Well, that's, that's the other worry. You're talking about a guaranteed cash cow. They can't fill a stadium now for most of their games. They can't get two thousand people watching. Yeah, but I think I think into I think for a World Cup you would. I'm not so sure. I think that uh, the money situation over there means that Joe Bloggs of the public can't afford to go and pay three hundred pounds like you had to pay for a ticket when it was here last time. They they, they just simply can't afford it, mm. and uh, and and that would be a massive worry for me. And I know they haven't made the choice yet, but the Irish people can afford to go and watch the games. The people of South Africa can't afford to go and watch it. It's a generalisation, but there's a much higher percentage of people in Ireland can afford to watch rugby than South Africa. Okay, well, we'll have to wait till the 15th of November when World Rugby will meet again. God, you, how did you, you memorise that date? Just was in there. I read it on the, in the paper on the way back on the plane. Right, <laughs> let's move on to the Aviva Premiership status report. So we're at the... Half term. We're not well, sort of. Well, school half term, term, isn't it? it? School half term is just depends gone. whether you terms the whole st- season or yeah, it's the third term quarter. It's actually twenty seven point two seven percent. Shall we have a quick review of where of we are this weekend? Just gone. Just or... just the weekend. Well, let, let's start with that. Let's let let's look at the games that have just gone, and then yeah. we'll maybe look at who's impressing and who's not. I tell you, you didn't impress. Friday night, you got stuck in the traffic on the way up to oh, Manchester, that's didn't a, you? It's a joy. Sail on a Friday night, <laughs> the two on, times I've been up there. On the there. viaduct. We're, not even the viaduct, the M6 on the way up. Five hours up there, and then at least you can always guarantee it's going to be a great <laughs> game of rugby. <laughs> a thriller it is, um, it is how you describe it. You take it, your laces probably. out your shoes for yeah. the journey home. <laughs> Belt, everything, everything gone. Now, look, it, it, I mean... I think Steve Diamond mentioned, didn't he, that if they're going to compete with the likes of uh, Manchester United and Manchester City, the rugby league teams around there, they're going to have to serve up entertaining rugby. And they're not doing that at the moment. Um, Yes, they had that big win against Gloucester, though quite a few of those tries were interceptions and and against the run of the play. They have got some... For all you saying you don't think Solomon is quite ready for England, attacking-wise, he's... Attacking-wise, he's, he's brilliant, isn't he? So absolutely brilliant. They've got exciting his, his defense is not no, international they, quality. They brought yet. Marland in, another with ball in hand, another really good attacking yeah. player. So they are trying to get there, um, but it was it was a disappointing performance. I, I guess you know the credit you'd give them is Exeter off the back of that big win at Montpellier 
their confidence sky high, might you you might have thought, well, well five day ter- five day turnaround, yeah. you'd expect Sale to have a bit more of a yeah. fighting chance than that. But I think that's where we're going to see Sale finish. They're going to finish in tenth. Uh, they may even finish in eleventh. They're going to win some games at home, maybe one or two away. Like you said, they're not going to get the consistency. I think the most important game of the weekend, though, was uh, Wasps at Saints. Because yeah. I think if Wasps had lost that, they could well have imploded. But this sort of puts their season back on track a little bit. It does. And it was the same for a couple of teams, actually. So Wasps winning away, Leicester winning away, really moved them up the league in a substantial way. I think, like you said, Wasps would have been on 10 points. Um, they've been in the bottom three of the league and Worcester chasing them, who actually played some really good rugby at Quinns. They would have been a lot more of a stressful scenario for that club. Um, the know, Leicester performance was, was impressive because I watched the game in its entirety and, and actually Newcastle played very well. It was, a, it was a really good game. Loads of turnovers at the breakdown, as you'd expect with uh, Newcastle's back row and back five in particular. Um, we didn't talk about the back row for England either, did we? How did Mark Wilson play? Was he good? Turnover-wise, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he was. He's, I think he is getting back to his form, but he's not quite in the same form that he has, be, has yeah. been in. And when, you know, Sam Simmons played actually very well in the in the Exeter performance and, and he, he gives you that go forward and that um, that, that without Billy Vonopoli you don't have so yeah. uh, obviously he's in the squad and I'd expect him to feature definitely in the matchday squad uh, for England at, at some point um, So do you want, like a half, per- do you want a report do you then okay, what you're yeah. saying Yeah go on then you, you, you crack right, so on with who, a, who could have done better who, who, who could have done better out the teams would you say Out the teams yeah. um, Well Wasps, at, Wasps Wasps are probably the biggest yeah. surprise yeah. because of what they achieved last year and they just haven't been able to hit those same heights, though. Their performance against Harlequins and their performance against Northampton, maybe they're just starting to turn it around a bit. But they'd be the most disappointed, I think. Yeah, not paying enough attention. Um, Gloucester, their away form. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few teams. In fact, I don't think there's any team that hasn't taken their eye off the ball at some point. Saracens at Bath, uh, those Saracens look the strongest, uh, I would say. Leicester lost their first two games. You know they they probably should have beaten Bath at home and then got thrashed at Northampton. So I don't think anyone. What it shows if if you're five percent off, mm. you'll lose the game. If you had a mortgage, um, who would you put it on to to win at this point? I don't mind putting. You don't mind putting your mortgage on. It's your house. You don't oh. want to put on. <laughs> don't mind losing the mortgage. <laughs> if you wanted to put your interest rate on, <laughs> uh, what was the question? On what? <laughs> Got stuck on the mortgage. Who are you, who would you put your money on now at this stage of the season to win it all? Still Saris? I would Saracens, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Just quietly going. What have the sides got to do? Exeter, what have they got to do? Look, Exeter could do it again. Yeah. You know, I think those two, it seems pretty obvious when they're both at the top of the table, but yeah. those two are, not are streets ahead. Uh, no, not Worcester, but I think Worcester have the ability to overtake London Irish. I think yeah, London so Irish right. are, are the biggest concern. Um, they just look like a team that, that almost now, having had that big win on the opening weekend, uh, are sort of settled into the fact that they're going to get beaten quite a lot. And, and it's very difficult to get out of that. Sail on out the woods yet either? No. Certainly not. A lot happens over Christmas, no. as we know. Santa, be, Santa what what will and... be interesting is where, if obviously Matt Tumor is out for a few weeks, but when... If Manu Tulangi comes back and stays fit, 
the Leicester back line's already looking fairly good without that direct threat down the middle of the field. But they could almost be the Wasps of last year, the team that can score a lot of tries. But if you get into a, a tight game that that's not not all free flowing, because that's when Leicester almost looked their look their sharpest despite not scoring any bonus points. But that would be my summation: is we'll get the same from Exeter and Saracens. Uh, Bath as well, right up there in fourth position. I think they get a few injuries back. They could be a, a yeah. good threat, Bath. Yeah. Particularly if you play a certain style against them. What about Saints? Because no, they I had think that awful I think they're done now. first weekend, do you? Yeah, I think they're done. I think they, they bounced back really well from the first weekend. They started to play a good brand of rugby, but the last few weeks I've watched them. They're just starting to slip off that intensity again. They're starting to not make the ground that they were making around the sides of the rooks. Uh, and the, they they haven't got a spark in the back line mm. that's really you know, Collins was doing it in the in the, the sort of second third fourth round of games. He looks like he's carrying an injury now to me, and uh, I think that they've they've got a few injuries in that squad. About the impact that Ackerman's had at Gloucester, have we seen it yet? Father or son? Uh, father. Yeah, I think we're starting to see it. You know, he's a that was a massive win at, Glo- uh, at yeah. Bath, wasn't it? Yeah, and they should have won that game by ten points. I said to David Humphreys, as we were walking down this, he was sat just in front of the commentary position. With 20 minutes to go, you should have been 10 points up. The game should have been over. Bath couldn't get any continuity, no field position, and you were on top. But Owen Williams and the halfbacks decided that it was probably better to just throw the ball around for 20 minutes rather than push Bath back into their corners. And uh, it nearly cost them the match. Um, Standout players this year? Ooh, tough one. Don Armand again. Yeah, Don Armand. How is he not in the England team? Well, I think, I mean, especially I agree. When you hear, I would, well, I would especially have when him you hear the squad. reasons that he's been given. I would have him in my squad, but it does go back to that. Does he fit the style of play we want to do and the balance of the back row? They haven't got a balance. But, they're, they're in real trouble now because they've picked two young guys who potentially fight over the seven shirt or he picks Rob Shaw at seven, which means he goes back on everything that yeah. he said. And you've got Nathan Hughes in there who needs a bit of experience. So Rob See, I, Shaw has I, to play. I just think that his biggest, Armand's biggest problem is the sixes that he's potentially looking at are either Rob Shaw or it's Courtney Laws. And then you've got Mario Atoji that can. So Armand's major strength, aside from what he does around the field, is he's that line out forward, which you don't necessarily need if you've got Atoji or Laws playing in that position. So it is almost just. Really bad timing for Don Armand because, uh, you know, if, if he was a few years ago when, when England had Chris Robshaw and, and Tom Wood, he could have been that sort of specialist line-out jumper. Yeah. Wood was an all right So you could, could you not have Laws, Hughes and Armand in the back row? Um, not, not necessarily for the way that Eddie wants to play. I think he said, hasn't he, that he wants his seven winning those collisions where it's most congested in and around the breakdown. Courtney Laws will do that a little bit for you. Um, so potentially, Yeah, so he wanted his seven to be in and around the breakdown, whereas what he's saying is that Don Armand for Exeter, all we see is him out in the wider channels, which isn't how he wants his seven to play. So actually, Sam Simmons could potentially he's, play he's, seven. He's the star find of the season yeah. so far, oh, isn't he? With, yeah, been absolutely brilliant. And then, Apart from putting his head in front of Nathan Hughes' knees, which is, is not the cleverest thing to do. No, yeah. no. Hughes is playing better as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been good. Particularly and he'll have to, when weeks. he was given the responsibility last time, Billy got injured. He really well, stepped he, up. He looked re- really lively in training, so much so that it was 
the players were told it was their easy day. I think some of them came off thinking, crikey, if that's the easy day, today was going to be their tough day with, with full-on collisions. But Nathan Hughes was doing the old Darren Garforth in the grip <laughs> games where he, he, he looked slightly at a higher intensity than everyone else, I think maybe with a bit to prove. So that was good to see. Um, in the backs, star backs at the moment, I've got to say that... that Alex Good. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, again. He's, again, the metres he's making, is he top of the charts? But he's uh, certainly right up there. He, I think he might be. No, I think Viano is top of the well, charts. Viano's top for defenders beaten, but I think I think Alex he's top for metres as well. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Rocco de Guni's always up there. He's in the top three. Um, who else has really stood out? Marcus Smith. You know, nice, yeah. nice new young guy. What, that what's impressed me found. about Smith is every club has gone after him and tried to hit him slightly late. Every time he passes the ball, he gets a whack from a tight five forward and he just bounces straight back up. So I've been really impressed with him and the way he pushes the other players around the field. Um, The other youngster that I'm really liking the look of is uh, Nick Ezekwe, the Saracens now. Whether he'll get enough opportunities, Saracens are very good at bringing these guys through. But as a 19-year-old, you see his presence on the field and how he bosses everyone else around at the line out. Hugely impressed with this guy, and I think he could be an absolute superstar of the future if he gets the opportunity early enough. Because, you know, you, if you're Saracens, how do you play him enough to make him uh, the, the the standout performer in that team? Backline people, Matt Tamua, yeah, I think, with I think he's been good. Johnny May, great form, ten tries. Yeah. Um, who else would stand out in the backs? I think there's been quite a few, but. Slade, was, better season for Slade? Yeah, much better. Well, consistent. Is he position. nailed on for the 13 shirt? No, I don't game? think he's nailed on, but you can tell me. You watched training. You, you stayed, no, you stayed no, with they Eddie. They didn't run as teams. Do you not? Run as teams. You're not allowed no, to say. No, they didn't run as teams. Did Eddie say keep they, it quiet they, this they, morning? They were, they were all mixed up. Were they? Yeah, uh, yeah look, he's favourite, isn't he, to wear 13? Uh, but Joseph has found a little bit of form in the last few weeks, and, and we know that Eddie likes Joseph, so who knows? All right, that's the uh, half-term report. Could do better, but on the whole, yeah, we're happy with... And star, with, with star performer, best-in-class series again. Yeah, no surprises there. Right, a little bit of an international preview then. Obviously, we're not going to see New Zealand playing at Twickenham against England until uh, t- uh, next year. Um, but they are going to play at Twickenham in 2017 against the Barbarians. Have the Barbarians got any chance whatsoever? No. <laughs> Did you see the their team meeting that was on Twitter? I've seen a few clips of it, yeah. I mean, I remember playing for the Barbarians and you basically stopped drinking um, Well, just after breakfast Did on you? the day of the game. <laughs> um, so, and I was thinking if I was picked to play for the Barbarians against New Zealand at Twickenham, admittedly New Zealand will be using it as a bit of a uh, off week as well. Maybe not, actually. I, I, I may tone it down a little bit for my own personal safety. But, yeah, they, they haven't got a hope, have they? I don't know. How many people are going to Twickenham? Will it be busy? Is it is it a massive shame that the Barbarians have almost become a Southern Hemisphere team? It's an Islanders that team now, game? isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose it's just the, the yes, reality I think, I think of, it is. of it used professional to be, sport. And... Well, it, it, what it is, is reality of an over-congested season. We saw it this weekend. We come back for one weekend of the Aviva Premiership, and then we go into the Anglo-Welsh t- competition there's got no Welsh teams in the first weekend because they're still playing their own league there's 
there's too many competitions going on at the same time, and that's why the Barbarians are really struggling. Right, we're going to talk about the Anglo-Welsh after this question. Okay. But are New Zealand as invincible as, they've, as they have been over the last couple of years, or does the Lions' uh, performances and Australia's win... Not so much for the other teams they're playing, but does it dent their confidence at all? I hope so. I hope they really damage their confidence from it. But uh, they're still the best side, aren't they? They're still the benchmark for everyone else. And I think that once you stop thinking of them as the benchmark, then you've got a better chance of beating them. Um, and other sides start to set their own benchmarks. And we saw Australia do that with a t- physicality in the game. And uh, I, I think it does open them up a little bit more. And it's just a shame that, well, actually, it's not a shame because I don't think England will be as good in this autumn as we've seen them in previous ones. But England aren't playing them. I think New Zealand in this autumn are going to try and take the pace of the game to a different level. I think they, everything's going to be about playing super fast. Um, we know that they can play the other ways. The scrum's probably the best in the world at the moment. Um, so I think that'll be a huge thing. But I think England are... I've also realised that intensity is is where you set that sort of uh, invincibility because if you can take teams to a place they're not comfortable in, in being for large swathes of the game, you're going to end up winning. Right, you mentioned the Anglo-Welsh. I was kicking into gear again this weekend. Um, how important is the Anglo-Welsh Cup these days? Tough question because obviously the other tournaments are bigger. The Aviva Premiership is a fantastic tournament. The Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup, actually. I think the Challenge Cup has really grown in the last three years. So it's it's at the bottom of the pile with those. And I, I think why it's still really valuable to clubs is it gives them an opportunity to refocus. It gives them an opportunity to either restart their season or reset some of their players. So if you've got some of your star players that have just played the first six rounds and are a bit fatigued, they've had a pre-season, you can take them three weeks off and say, right, guys, off you go. I've two, three weeks off now. You can train. You can sort of rebalance your body. And in that respect, it's great for the clubs. It's also good because they're doing that to their star players that we get to see some really young talent. I think we saw the Curry Twins for the first time in this competition last season. Uh, you know, within one year, they're, one of them's playing for England and potentially starting for England in the seven shirt and the Autumn Internationals. So it's good that you get to see young players. It's good that clubs can reset. Uh, and if you, if you look at the track record, it's Leicester that have uh, tried the hardest over recent years to win it. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of teams start with a, you know, a, a weakened side because it is a good time to send some of those players away. Um, and then depending on how they're getting on, almost dictates how seriously they take it um the other area and it's not just giving those young players an opportunity but actually looking at some players for example you know putting uh the second row who doesn't usually call the line outs giving him some time to to see whether he can manage a line out because that that could be it's important. Like an, it, in a lot of ways it's like another pre-season in the season it is do you think it's do you think we need an a-league and an anglo-welsh or would we be better trying to play some of those a-league games during the Anglo-Welsh weekends. Would that would that make a bit more sense? I think it probably to the Welsh teams. But the Welsh teams aren't playing in the first no. round of matches anyway. So it makes a bit of a... Because the players are complaining about playing too much rugby, which is probably fair. I mean, it's always... You know, the, although the clubs would say they need the revenues of, of you know, extra gates and, and you're getting paid and, and would the players take a pay cut? Well, Billy Bonapolo said he would, but I doubt many of the other ones would. But I do think that 
you know, that is one way of, you know, if we we try and merge those two competitions together, potentially you, you ease the load a little bit on, on some of the players. I think you should have a think about it in a bit more detail. Go home. Get, okay. Write all the so write it down, down. Write it down on a bit okay. of paper. Put it into a presentation and I'll, I'll have a look at it. Thanks. Okay. Brilliant. Is that the Anglo-Welsh done or are we going to talk think, about what's think, going to happen? I think, I think you're sorted it out. Any players you? that... I mean, I mentioned... Uh, Nick Ezekwi, he's probably one of the guys that could show if he's given that time. Though he's in the England squad, whether whether he'll actually be allowed to play in it, I'm not sure. Yeah. I think there's always a player that just appears from nowhere, gets their opportunity, plays really well. Do you know, strangely, in this tournament last year, it was Freddie Burns who found his way back into a Leicester team that he wasn't in through the Anglo-Welsh. Played really well and then ended up playing in the latter part of the season. And it's not always a new kid who's come out of the academy. Sometimes it's someone who's been on the bench. You know, how about Vendicott or someone from Gloucester who can't get in the starting lineup because of Heinz? And he might end up playing a lot in this, and he's a fantastic player. And then the coaches think, oh, actually, I might keep him in for the uh, the big European encounter or the, the Aviva game. So it, it can be anyone. You well, we just might get to see him, Vendicott, on uh, Saturday because BT Sport 2... And 4K UHD from 2.30 is Leicester Tigers at home to Gloucester. Andy Goode is going to be our guest then. He'll be knackered. Do you think... Do <laughs> He'll you think, be so tired. He's, he's just got twins, hasn't he? Do you think both teams are going to... Uh, well, they will. Both teams will rotate, won't they? Particularly in that first week, you'd expect to see some of those those guys that haven't we haven't seen an awful lot of starting. Yeah, I think so. I think it's... Um, like I said before, it's a good time for people to get rotated. And by that, why saying that, I don't mean like turning around on the spot. Well, both sides have obviously had morale-boosting wins last weekend. Gloucester at Bath, Leicester at Newcastle. Does either side have the upper hand going into it? Or is it because it's a change of team? Is it slates clean? I, I, I think you throw all the stats and all the previous games out the window because the team's changed so much. The mindset changes. You often find these games are a little bit more open. Uh, a bit more high scoring on average. So, and it normally goes with the home team. Very few away wins. So, unless, of course, you decide to roll out your entire academy squad, um, which I've heard Leicester are doing this weekend. Are they? No, I've made it no, up. they're not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and then on Sunday, uh, we're at Allianz Park for Saracens against Harlequins, BT Sport 2 and 4K UHD from 245. And Toby Flood will be our guest. So, any chance for Harlequins? Well, they've always got a chance, haven't they? Yeah, they've got a chance, haven't they? But Saris have got such a good squad. And it's not just the players. It's just the the methodology, the processes that they all go through, the frameworks that are in place that enable everyone to slot in straight away. So, you'd have to see Saracens as the winner. But Quins can throw the ball around and bounce the ball. And that pitch doesn't always go the way you think it's going to go. And... You know, you get two or three scores up and it's a completely different context. And Saris haven't been starting games very well. Last three games, first halves, they've been, uh, by their own admission, not at their best. Second halves, they've been dynamite. But first half, if you can get a lead up, you might have a chance. Well, thank you, Austin. And thank you for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We're back in the studio next Wednesday for the full fat version of Rugby Tonight. And we'll be joined by Wayne Barnes as we preview all the upcoming international action. Lawrence and Hugo will be your hosts on the pod as we dissect all of the week's biggest stories. Remember to subscribe to the pod so it's delivered straight to your device every Thursday. If you've enjoyed listening today, please give us a five-star rating and a nice review on iTunes. See you next week. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 